Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Reimagining Windows show on TechNet Radio, our series of business value interviews for IT managers all around Windows 8. My name is Kevin Remdy. I'm a senior IT pro evangelist on the U.S. developer and platform team, uh, platform evangelism team at Microsoft, and I'm your TechNet Radio host today. Now, although Windows 8 has been available in previews for over a year now, it's still relatively new to most people. It's only released uh, to the general public just over a month ago. So most businesses are just now getting their first experiences with this operating system, and they may be wondering, why should I care? You know, what, what's in it for me? What, what, is there really anything here that's worth replacing Windows 7 with? And other such questions. So in today's discussion, we're going to hopefully answer some of those questions you may have and perhaps even dispel a couple of myths that you may have heard considering Windows 8 and some of the new kinds of devices and form factors it's available on. Now, for your sake, I really want to get to the heart of what Microsoft means when we refer to Windows 8 as supporting something uh, called a no-compromise business device. Now, with us today in our discussion, we're very fortunate to have with us the guy at Microsoft who has many of these answers for us, Stephen Rose. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Always a pleasure. How are you doing? Really, really good. Thanks. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Stephen Rose. Uh, not you, Stephen, of course, but our viewers and listeners here. Stephen is a senior product manager for the Windows commercial team at the Microsoft headquarters in Redmond, Washington. Before joining Microsoft, Stephen spent 15 years running his own IT consulting company. In his current role, he manages the Windows technical content on the Springboard series at TechNet, and he oversees the Windows 7, Windows 8 forums, and is the editor for the Springboard Insider newsletter, writes for the Windows team blog, acts as the moderator for the Windows virtual roundtables, and leads the Springboard series tours in North and South America, as well as Europe and Asia. So Stephen gets around for sure. Uh, again, thanks. Uh, really great to have you here, Steve. Happy to be here. So. Let's start off by briefly addressing this new user interface. I know that a lot of people are concerned that perhaps it may be a little bit too confusing, too much of a shock, this new Windows 8 experience, uh, too big of a shock for people to get used to. So now why did Microsoft go in this new direction with Windows 8? Well, I'm, I'm going to be referring a lot probably back to the engineering blogs. I think for those people who really want to understand what we were thinking and the reason we went, that the blogs that, that Steven Snosky's team when he was here headed up go into great detail. I think the hours and hours and hours of user information that they gathered was critical. I think one of the questions that I get a lot is, well, wh why did they remove the start menu? And it's not that we removed the start menu. We really sort of reimagined it. Um, when they took a look at how people work, they found that people tended to work in two sort of camps. Camp number one, they put all of their icons and all their documents on the desktop. Number two was, since Windows 7 allows pinning, a lot of people were pinning those key documents and those key applications into their taskbar. Well, we still allow taskbar pinning, no matter whether you're on a, an RT or non-RT device. So that part of it is absolutely great. But we've taken all the icons that people were putting on the desktop and we've made them bigger and easier to access and easier to get at by putting them on the start screen. So by doing that, We've made it simpler and easier for people to find what they want. They also found that the other, uh, the big reason that a lot of people were still going to the start menu was to search. So by removing that step and allowing you right there on the start screen to type in whatever it is you're looking for, whether it's an app, a document, et cetera, and then have those uh, results come up without you having to take that extra step, and it's actually faster and easier to find what you're looking for on your PC. So it's a combination of those, but really, the research, it's a very, very long blog post. There's actually four 
on the starts on the start menu conversion to the start screen. Uh, I think another one is, and this was a great email I got. This guy saying, "Well, a lot of my users are older, and you know they're going to get very very confused." And my thought was. It's a lot easier to click a big icon this big with a mouse or touch it with your finger than it is to try to go into a start menu, especially on a touch device. So I, I think that there's a lot of good reasons, but I think it's really up to the users to dig into those and, and, and to sort of see which one makes the most sense to how they were working. Definitely, yes. I, I actually tell a lot of the people that ask me these same questions. Um, you know, most for the most part, people are going to be using Windows 8 as they used Windows 7. They'll be on the desktop. They have the same abilities to to pin icons to their wallpaper to their to their desktop. There, they can have the taskbar. Uh, so they'll be using those as as they have in the past. But as you say, we've got this nice beautiful interface that is the start screen and the new Windows 8 applications that are available through there. But now, I mean, let me ask you though. I mean, because this question comes to me a lot. Does this really mean I can't have a start button anymore? Well, I, there are. If, if you desperately want to have it, and this is the question that I tell people, which is, if you go, I don't want Windows 8, I want Windows 7, first of all, we're not taking your Windows 7 away. Windows 7 is going to be here for quite a while. And I do a lot of what we call EBCs here. They're executive briefings where we sit down with large companies that have thousands and thousands of desktops. I just did one with a a large bank that's probably one of our software assurance volume license holders out there in the world. And they go, well, we have people that do nothing but sit on the phone all day and answer questions and provide support. Awesome. Keep them on Windows 7. Where it makes sense is as soon as that salesperson, as soon as the person says, hey, I want an iPad, I want an Android, I want a tablet device because it really makes sense for how I'm working and what I'm doing, to be able to go, great, here's a Windows 8 tablet. It will work beautifully within your Windows 7 infrastructure. You won't have to make any changes. You'll be able to treat it, whether it's on a Windows to-go stick or whether it's via the tablet, directly in to the infrastructure that you already have. And that's where it makes sense. Because the one thing you can't do with the iOS devices and with Android devices is join them to a domain, bitlock them and secure them, and manage them the way that you can a Windows 8 device. So it's not... Don't feel that because Windows 8 is out that you need to go to that. Windows 7 is going to be around for a while. Take a look at which one makes the most sense. And if you have users where the job they do every day for some reason absolutely requires they have to have a start menu, I'd be curious to hear from people where they say they absolutely have to, outside of, well, this is the way they're used to working with. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. These are the same people who went out and bought an iPad and didn't complain that there was no start menu on an iPad and that they couldn't find it. They're the same people who have Kindles and who have Nooks and aren't complaining that there's no start menu on those devices. There's no start menu on their iPhone or on their Android phone or on their BlackBerry, really. So, you know, people have pretty adaptively learned how to move with these new OSs and figure out how to use them and have them make sense and customize them really, really beautifully. So... Give your users a chance. Don't just assume. But if they desperately have to have it, then fine. Keep them on Windows 7 if it's absolutely core to what they do. And these are folks who retraining isn't going to make sense or it's not going to help them. But I think the other thing, and this is something we saw during Windows 7 where people complained about all the differences going from XP to 7. I don't hear those people yelling anymore. How things that they could do in XP they're having problems doing in 7. They seem pretty happy with Windows 7 is... So many people went out and bought Windows 7 PCs that then they would come to work and say, hey, I'm used to doing, I'm snapping, you know, my, my two window panes and I can't do that in XP. I'm used to just right-clicking, going to desktop settings, and I can't do that. As more and more people start to get Windows 8 devices at home, they're going to come in saying, hey, I love the fact that I've got this grouping of my five business apps that I use every day. They're right there. I just want to click right into them, and I want to, you know, run a 
a Windows 8 app with a non-Windows 8 app side by side and be able to have that, we're going to start to see more of that as well as time goes out. We're still very, very early into the Windows 8 launch. Uh, the Windows 8 devices are just now starting to come out. If you've been to Best Buy or a Microsoft store recently, you've seen some great stuff. So people are going to sort of find that dichotomy, and, and that will start to, to move it forward. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see where we're at five, six months from now. Definitely, definitely. I'm very excited about that, too. And, uh, you know, that, that, that brings about uh, or brings up the topic of uh, kind of an operational compatibility. You know, I mean, is what I'm going to compatible with what I'm used to? And eventually people do get used to new things. But on a uh, more um, software compatibility kind of a level, I think uh, a lot of people are saying now, oh, well, Windows 8, yes, it's new, it's fancy, it's different it's going to be the new Windows Vista because people aren't going to move from the existing operating system to this new one uh, because of many issues, one of them being compatibility. And so, you know, compatibility of applications, of course, was a big issue for a lot of people running and the, probably the, so the, one of the big reasons they are still running Windows XP is because right. of uh, application compatibility that they weren't able to address. Is compatibility going to be an issue for people when they're moving from Windows 7 to Windows 8? Um, you know, maybe the company decides we're going to buy a whole new set of desktops or laptops and tablets for our folks, and it's going to have Windows 8, but I'm afraid to do that because of the applications they're running. What concerns should they have? Well, let's let's put not our let's put RT devices aside just for a minute. Just go into the the standard Windows 8. And what's great is if you've done the heavy lifting to get off of XP and either start to move to or move to Windows 7, you're going to be in great shape for Windows 8. Anything that you are pretty much running, whether it's device drivers, etc., is going to work really nicely in Windows 8. I think we're at 98. 7 or 98.8 percent compatibility. We're less than two percent of apps that were built to work with Windows 7 not working with Windows 8. And those are ones where things like antivirus, where it's specifically looking for the term Windows 8 in it. Um, I'm running, you know, games like you know Steam and Diablo without a problem. I'm running all my Windows 7 apps beautifully on Windows 8. I'm running Zune, and I'm running the Windows 8 Music app. I'm running all these side-by-side -side without any problems. And what's great is my manufacturer, and I'm running um, a, uh, an Asus ZenBook, came out with some drivers which enable me now on my touchpad to be able to swipe and get you know the Windows 8 sidebar and be able to you know turn it into more of a smart trackpad. So A, right out of the gate, you're going to find if it works with 7, it works with 8. If it didn't work with 7, it's not going to work with 8. And we're down to you know, a pretty small amount of companies that are still running XP as we start to close in on that one-year mark next April. So uh, we're still down, to, I think, to about 25% of all PCs around the world are still running XP. Most major enterprises are either on 7 or are way on the, uh, well on their way to 7. There are very, very few that are being left behind because they realize that that date's not going to change. Yeah, now, with that yeah. said, let's talk about RT devices. And RT is a different animal, and I think there's a lot of confusion on you know, Windows RT versus non-RT, Surface RT versus Surface Pro. So let's sort of separate those out, which is we have plenty of Windows RT devices in the market today, Surface RT being one of them. We have plenty of non-RT Pro and Atom devices that are on the market today, Surface Pro not being one of them, because Surface Pro is not going to be available till next year. If someone has Windows 7 applications that they want to be able to run, if they are doing business, if they want to be able to join a domain, if they want to be able to manage BitLocker, do direct access, if they truly want that no compromise tablet that says, I want to be able to download some really cool apps, I like doing Sotoku and crossword puzzles, awesome. 
I want to be able to have apps to do Skype and to do video chat, but I also have these apps that were specifically written for my company that I need to run every day to get business done, and I want them on a cool form factor that's secure and managed. Windows 8 is going to do that for you because you still have your desktop. You're running all of your Windows 7 apps there, and if you're building Windows 8 apps on top of that, you've got this great desktop where you can run both of these and run them side-by-side. Side. I can run a Windows 8 app and a non-Windows 8 app side-by-side, side, or two Windows 8 apps or two non-Windows 8 apps snapped together the same way that we did back in Windows 7. Now, with that said, Windows RT. So you were going to jump in. I don't want to cut you off. Well, yeah, I just uh, wanted to say, just sort, sort of summarize, because you covered a lot of different uh, different topics there, or different uh, pieces of the, uh, or different options, I guess I should say, uh, because you mentioned Windows RT, and that is a, a version of Windows 8 that is running on ARM-based tablets, right. which is an entirely different architecture, new architecture for Microsoft to focus on in terms of operating systems, mm -hmm. uh, with the same Windows 8 experience on the start screen, the same Windows 8 applications, the new style applications. Right. But then uh, Windows... 8 and Windows 8 Professional that's running on Intel or AMD processor traditional uh, form factors, um, that's the big distinction. So having right. your old applications, Windows 7 applications, what are called desktop applications running on a desktop, that's going to be Windows 8 and Windows 8 Pro running on the Intel and AMD. Exactly. I mean, when we okay. take a look at RT, and, and I love RT. I mean, I have a, I have a Surface RT right here. I've got, I've got mine here. We'll show off our, our surfaces. Surface, is that correct? Survive, yes, perhaps. Yeah, there's my, I got the, I got the, uh, the type uh, keyboard. I have that, too, and I also have the touch. And you know what? I was actually pretty impressed at how well the touch cover you know, really worked and how uh, accurate it was in allowing me to be able to type. So I've been, I've been pretty happy with it. But I think I have found that my Surface RT is great for two key things. Number one, it's a great consumption device. When I want to surf the web, when I want to just jot out a few quick emails, I want to get on Facebook, things that I tend to do at night at home while I'm watching TV or relaxing or sitting in a Starbucks, it's awesome for that. Now, I have loaded up the remote desktop, and I am linked into our Outlook, so I can run Outlook and I can run business apps on it, but that's really sort of a secondary thing, which companies can set up. The, the drawbacks to the Surface RT or any RT device, and there are many out there, Samsung has one, HP has one, et cetera, is that, first of all, they can't join a domain. And that's mm -hmm. really critical to, for people to understand. And number two, although they do come with Word, and they do come with Excel, and they do come with PowerPoint, there is no Outlook, and there is no way to put Outlook on it. Now, if you are running a business that's pretty cloud-focused, you're using Office 365, you know, things like that, Surface RT tablets are going to be great. If you're, if you're keeping everything in the cloud and you're keeping it secure, awesome. That becomes a great way to do that. Good battery life, great form factor, good low cost, et cetera. But as soon as the word security and securing your users comes into the, you know, into the picture, immediately you have to go, Surface RT, much the same way iOS or Android is, not able to be secured the way we want it to, that's when you want to start looking at the non-RT devices, whether it's a Surface Pro or you're looking at, you know, the the uh, the Acer, uh, you know, the new Acer S7, or you're looking at the new Samsung Series 9, or the new ZenBook, or the Dell XPS 12, or any one of those many pro devices that are out. Everything you do with Windows 7 and the secure infrastructure to manage is there. So, RT devices great for consuming data, awesome for consumers. Good for a small business that just needs to answer some email, and you know, they're using an online tool to do invoicing, you know, they're using FreshBooks or something like that, that may be great. But again, 
if there's data on it, it's not going to be secure. You still have a desktop. You can still save your documents to your desktop. You can still pin them. Uh, and that's been a common thing where people were surprised to see a desktop in an RT device. But you're going to be limited in management with it. So it is something that you really want to take a look at uh, on how your infrastructure works. Personally, if you're an enterprise, uh, although you can do a little bit more security with RT because there is some disk encryption that's built in based on our BitLocker platform. And there's a few more things you can do with Windows Intune and System Center. It's still not at the level of a fully managed, fully secure device. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, I think it actually is, is uh, a benefit and is certainly no worse than and a little bit better than uh, the iPads and the Android devices that are out there is the fact that uh, Exchange ActiveSync and those policies do apply. So. Uh, for example, is what I'm doing. I'm just using the built-in mail application. But the minute I connect it up to the Microsoft email, my corporate email, it applies the policy that says you absolutely have to use a password on this device. Right. So, yep. so it's, it does have some flex some um, application of policy, but it's based on the Exchange Active Sync. So it's it's similar to what you can do on other devices. Exactly. And uh, so. Uh, let's talk about bring your own device because okay. you know, we're kind of in that topic right now and. Um, you know, as as you know, we we could almost as easily say bring your own iPad, BYOIP, uh, because that's really what we mean when we say bring your own device. That's what our our uh, IT professionals, our businesses are dealing with right now. How do we allow them to to bring a device into an into an organization? And in particular, what about a Windows 8 tablet? Um, I think we've mentioned a couple of things that make Windows 8 a good choice, certainly a better choice in terms of manageability and security uh, than an iPad or an Android device. Right. Um, but what what is it specifically for business? Why is it a better choice for business? And, and what more flexibility, even beyond security, does this give us? Well, I think there's a few things. I think, first of all, is this little body, is this little baby, you know, a Windows to go stick. I think when you start to take a look at bring your own device, this really becomes the big game changer for folks. And for those not familiar with it, Windows to go is an enterprise feature, uh, and it basically puts a full OS on a USB stick. It can be um, pushed out through DISM. You can actually mass produce these for your users. It's a one-to-one -one license, so if you have 50 um, you know, volume license users, you can make 50 Windows to go sticks. But we've had a lot of companies that have said, we have temporary workers. We have people who are going to come in for a month and work for us, and by handing them this, this is domain joined, bit locked, direct access, ready to go, fully managed device. And when they come in and they say, hey, here's your new PC, we don't have to worry about what they're bringing in because they're not going to be able to get to the hard drive or to the data on their local machine. If the local machine that they're walking in with is a Windows 7 home machine that's dramatically infected because they've been out on BitTorrent downloading stuff, it doesn't matter because they're going to put this in. It only leverages the hardware, so it's going to boot up the OS, run it within our secure managed environment that we've built, on this, and then when they're done, they're going to shut the machine down, pull out the stick, reboot into their home machine when they get back home, and we don't need to worry about that. So that becomes one of the first big game changers for bring your own devices. As long as they have a Windows 7 or Windows 8 certified device, handing them a Windows to go stick becomes a great way to do it. Now, we've had a lot of people saying, well, I can put Windows on a USB stick. Why don't I just do that? And my challenge to them is, okay, go do that, but go plug it into three or four different machines. Aside of the fact that that's not legal, what you're doing, number two is it's going to bond with the first piece of hardware that you plug the stick into. So when you go to a second PC, it's not going to work. It's going to say, hi, I can't do this. So what's great is this is built to plug in and out of multiple PCs. 
where you can go. I actually use this one as my backup machine. Mm -hmm. So because I'm using UEV, because I'm using you know the, the Windows Live uh, sync settings, I'm able to plug this in. I have all of my data. I'm using Exchange Online, so I've gotten rid of PSTs. So if my laptop goes down, I can borrow anybody's laptop. Mm -hmm. Plug it, put this in, and literally get online. There's my Exchange. There's my Outlook. There's all my documents. Everything's on SkyDrive Pro or SkyDrive. I can access the key stuff on my phone. So I've got multiple ways where I can get back up and running where if I'm going somewhere to go do an event, I don't need to worry that my PC just died. And even if the hard drive dies, as long as the machine still boots, I'm still good. I can actually run it without, you know, even though my hard drive is damaged. So it really gives me a lot of options. And I think when we look at bring your own PC, that really becomes the first way that we take a look at. Excellent, excellent. Very good, very good option, uh, Windows to go. And uh, you mentioned uh, something called UEV, user experience virtualization, and and there's many other technologies that support mobility around uh, things such as direct access and right. application virtualization and and these sorts of things. These topics actually, you and I are going to talk about in another in another interview. So we'll we'll hold off on those. That's a little bit of a teaser for the next time you and I get together. We'll definitely Absolutely. talk about mobility uh, but, technologies. But but, um, but 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 send in the questions because we love the questions and would love to hear from you guys. Oh, Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah, we'll add to that list for sure. Yeah. So let's just let's wrap up uh, by just giving our, our folks a little bit of information about where they can go to find out more about Windows 8, uh, maybe even finding out more about where uh, where to learn about new hardware that's running Windows 8, and then uh, certainly you want to talk a little bit more about Springboard. Absolutely, and, and Springboard is going to be the first place that we're going to send folks. So the Springboard series on TechNet, Microsoft.com forward slash springboard uh, is going to take you to our to our Windows Tech Center. The first thing you're going to see on that Tech Center is the Windows 8 evaluation, which is a full version of Enterprise. You can build Windows to go sticks. You can play with this. You can practice with it. You can test your applications. And that's really the first thing is load it up on a machine and say to yourself, I'm going to play with this for three or four days. Because the one thing I've learned about Windows 8 is it takes about two, three days till you go, okay, now I figured out all the short cookies, like Windows X, how to bring up all my admin tools. But the great thing is all those short cookies used in Windows 7, Windows R, Windows E, all of those still work, which is great. And that was a great relief to me as I started playing with this. So that's going to be the first thing. Over in the right-hand corner, you'll see Windows 8 and IE 10. Click on Windows 8. And in the Explore area, we'll dig into all of the key features, Windows to go, what's new in BitLocker, Drive Encryption, what's new in Direct Access, all of that. Uh, the jumpstart that I did with, um, with Joey Snow, all six and a half hours is up there, which is 300 level, 350 level deep dive into Windows 8. We have individual feature product videos that run about three to five minutes. So there's a ton of information for people to dig into, to learn how to understand the key features, deploying, managing, locking down, whatever it is that you want to do. Um, we're working on MVA content, so the Microsoft Virtual Academy content will be ready very, very shortly. Um, we're looking Excellent. to be able to launch that in late December, early January, and that will be a lot of questions and content for people looking to test their skills around Windows 8 and prepare to manage that internally. So that's been a great thing. And there's also um, Windows 8 camps, which the uh, which the Windows team that I'm on and my team, we partnered very closely with the, with the great folks over in um, uh, that, that manage IT Pro Evangelism, and we've built some great content, and there are IT Pro camps that are going on. There were some great ones out in the U.K. Uh, that Simon May and Andrew did, uh, Andrew Fryer did, that were awesome. They did those there. They did them in Scotland, New Zealand. So there's a lot more stuff that's going to be coming in tons of ways for people to be able to get out there 
and learn more about Windows 8 and see what we're doing, as well as all the other resources that you man men uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, the Springboard Series Insider, uh, which people can subscribe to. We, uh, we're on Windows Team Blog. And on the consumer site, there's some great stuff. There's some great videos on how do I use Windows 8 and what are some of the new machines coming out. Uh, and a lot of that stuff is great on the consumer site uh, and, on the, uh, and on some of the, the internal sites we have that rank some of the new PCs. The key thing to be aware of is if you're looking for a business PC, make sure it has TPM in it. That will allow you to get the great value out of BitLocker and all of the other great features. Uh, and it's pretty easy to see which ones do, which ones don't. I'm a big fan of the Asus ZenBook Touch and also of the Dell XPS 12, I think, are two of the really, really great machines. I think for consumers, the Lenovo Yoga is a very exciting machine that's out. And of course, both of the Surface devices, too, are some really nice ones. Uh, the Acer Aspire S7 is also a nice machine, too, which I've seen. So lots of great choices. And I think that's something we didn't hit on. But I did want to say really quickly is that mm -hmm. one of the great things that are available to Windows users is tons of different form factors from gigantic 27-inch all-touch desktops down to um, you know, laptops that are not touch but are Windows 8 ready to laptops that have a touch screen to convertibles where the tablet part pulls out and then goes into the base giving you extra hard drive, extra battery, extra ports to a full-out tablet to a device like the Surface ranging from 10 inches to 13, 14, 15, 17 and up. No matter how you like to work, there are devices and form factors that are going to fit the way that you want to work. And that's what really separates us from our competition is, well, how do you like to work and what works best for you? And find mm -hmm. the device that helps you to achieve that. And that's a really great, exciting part of that. And a common experience among those different form factors, too, and the times that you want to do work. I mean, I'm using exactly. my Surface on my lap in my, in my easy chair at home. I'm using my desktop, or not desktop, but my, my big Lenovo laptop plugged into the monitor and, and keyboard uh, when I'm doing work. And, yep. uh, and I actually, and you probably tell me if you've experienced this as well, you know, initially I thought, well, touch on a screen on a laptop may be okay for scrolling around, but otherwise not so useful. Well, man, I mean, once you start getting used to Windows 8 and that experience, yeah. you really miss it when you go to the old laptop and you start touching the screen and all you're doing is putting fingerprints on it because you yeah. really find out how much you've been using and appreciating the touch interface. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, when I'm at, like, just, I mean, I love the, the, the feature in IE10 where I, with, with, with Flip Forward. So there I am at CNN. I click on an article. I want to go to the next page. I just grab it and just swipe it, and I'm able to move through the article and be able to move back. And just for surfing the web, touch is a lot faster. But the other thing is I've gotten so used to the keyboard shortcuts that I don't really slow down. I find that I do certain things really well on my laptop, which is not touch, certain things really well on my Surface, and it really depends on what I want to do for that great experience. So you don't have to have touch to get a great Windows 8 experience, right, and right. that's really important as well. Excellent. Well, Stephen, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for, for taking my some pleasure. time out of your busy day and uh, talking with us today. I look forward to our next conversations. Absolutely.